if my dad and his family could have the courage to literally leave everything behind and go to a new country where they don't speak the language, they have, you know, no money, mm-hmm. they're living off of food stamps, then I owe it to them to give my all in everything I do. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Persister with Candace Lowry. I am Candace Lowry. What is a persister? A persister <laughs> is a little play on words of nevertheless she persisted, but also a woman who has truly broken through that glass ceiling and has really forged a path and a name for herself in whatever business she's in. Persister with Candace Lowry is a Castbox original produced alongside Studio 71. Castbox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all of your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Persister with Candace Lowry wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give Castbox a shot because I think it's the best. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Persister with Candace Lowry. I am Candace Lowry, and this is the first episode, and I have Michelle Carre with me today. And if you don't know who Michelle is, shame on you. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> if you don't know who she is, she's a Dartmouth grad. She interned for Google. She worked full-time at BuzzFeed all while being a professional cyclist, and now she's on her way to a million subscribers on YouTube, all in a self-built channel. So I'm really excited to talk to her today, not only just about the journey to get to where she is today, but also the adversity she faces, especially being a woman of color in the entertainment industry. So I'm very excited to get into this today and to really learn more about my bud, Michelle, and teach you guys how you can be just like her. (laughs) Just kidding, but really. You're my first guest. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like this is like a good comforting first guest to have. (laughs) And I'm excited to talk about everything from your first internships all the way to like where you are now. Mm Because I know, especially like with us being together, making um, that transition from our first like major job at BuzzFeed, it's kind of like, where do I go from here? Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about everything. But first things first, I always ask people a would you rather question. Oh, Lord. Okay. I did have one, <laughs> but then a user on Twitter gave me one that was totally outrageous. That I feel like I need to ask you. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you? Okay. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Would you rather confuse muffins for babies or change genders every time you sneeze? Muffins and babies, 100%. So then does that mean you eat a baby? No. (laughs) No, because if if you're confusing muffins for babies, then you don't eat them. You just think they're cute, right? I guess. Or like if you thought a muffin was a baby, would you like carry it around in a little sling? Right, but no one gets harmed for that. If I change genders every time I sneeze, that's a way bigger ordeal. <laughs> I don't want to be, be a kind guy. Of fun, but then like, what if you don't sneeze for like a year and you're just like a dude? Yeah, you're for stuck. Well, anyway, that has nothing <laughs> to do with what we're talking about. But so now that we're, I guess, warmed up, mm-hmm. that we Properly. feel comfortable with each other now, I just want to like talk about how you got started and. um because you went to a pretty big school. 
you know. And I think that there's a pressure that comes with that, that you have to be like super successful and you have to have everything, um, you know, all your ducks in a row when you graduate. And so you interned at Google. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's insane. (laughs) I talked to you about this a little bit when we were in line for a Disneyland ride, but (laughs) Disney World ride, I think. (laughs) I forgot we went to Disney World together. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, how I feel like something even uh, as a kid, like at 18, you're like, how would I even get something like a Google internship? Uh So what did you do? Sure. Um (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, um, well, a little bit of background. So I'm from a really small town in Louisiana, and I got very lucky, and I got accepted to Dartmouth. And when I was at Dartmouth, there was this really cool, like, schedule thing where you could take classes in the summer and then take off fall or winter and go work somewhere. So oh, I did that. So I, yeah, I actually spent two years of college collectively in Los Angeles or on movie sets working. Or at Google at one point. Um, And what I really loved about that was I got like a liberal arts education, but I was really adamant about the practical application of what I was doing. Right. So each quarter I I entered at DreamWorks Animation. I entered with Steve Carell. I was on a movie set. And then for my junior summer, I wanted to try something completely different. And so I applied and got accepted to the Google internship, which a lot of people ask me about, but I literally just like applied online. It's not that crazy. (laughs) Um, And I like completely tanked the first interview. What did they Um, ask you? So for Google, it's kind of like when you interview for like a consulting firm, they ask you a lot of like weird logic questions. Have you you heard of this stuff? It's like, like the question they gave me is, how many Starbucks are in the state of Louisiana? And you're not supposed to answer like the fact. You're supposed to think, okay, well, in my town, which has this many people, there are four Starbucks. (laughs) And then it's about like one... 20th the size of the state so I multiply it by 20 but then factor in larger cities so like you're supposed to walk them through your thought process on how you get through a really large question and they you know so that was a question they asked me were you anticipating that I mean no (laughs) and I completely tanked it and I was like is that what you mean and they're like no and (laughs) oh my god they just like no, that was not what we were looking at. <laughs> I told me on the phone. Oh but then I, I did well in the second interview. Oh, so you got into the same interview. I, they let me pass for some damn reason. Um, and then, yeah, I worked at Google. And it, it's funny how things come full circle because I I kind of did that because I was like, okay, it sounds impressive, I guess. And they, they pay very, very well. Yeah. Um, but I did not fall in love with the work. Um, Google is really cool. A lot of big companies are cool. But what makes them cool is, like, the perks. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, like, we went to Sonoma for the weekend one time, fully paid for. One day, they we went to work and they flew us to Disneyland for the day. That actually happened. Like, things like that happen. And when I found myself talking about it, I was excited about the not work part Mm -hmm. of it. And the work is just literally like any other desk job. Um, At least it was for me. Right. So after I graduated, I like started a YouTube channel where I just did like sketches and stuff. But then I applied for and got accepted to BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. And that's where we met. <laughs> yes. And what I really liked about that was because so I feel like what I really like about our like YouTube stories is that mm-hmm. what so often we see portrayed in the media is like, I'm 15. I put up a viral video. Now right. I'm rich and famous. 
And for me, like I knew like the likelihood of that happening is going to be really low. So I wanted a procedural way to get there. Mm -hmm. And BuzzFeed was, and honestly, like I will admit, I still think is in many ways, one of the only ways to like be paid to learn how to do YouTube correctly. Yeah. And so that's what I did instead of like moving to LA and taking a waitressing gig and trying to audition and stuff like that. And the two and a half years I worked there were amazing and a really great learning opportunity for how to produce for digital, how to be efficient. Mm -hmm. And there... Oh, and I was also a professional cyclist when I moved to L.A. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, what? This girl just yeah. like cycled and with like a BMW shirt on. And I'm like, I yeah. <laughs> don't do anything. Like I walk on the treadmill for 20 minutes. That is not true. You are very active. Well, then I got active. Okay, got cool. Active. <laughs> sure. So I, I had, yeah, I was like working at BuzzFeed and I was on the team. So my day was I would wake up at four. I would train for three hours. I would go to work, I would come home, sleep, and on the weekends, I would drive, I I don't really tell people this, but I would drive straight from BuzzFeed to LAX and like fly somewhere in the world and race all weekend and come back. And it was insane. So I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, like at what point were you like, I need to figure, is this too much? Yeah, Um, so cycling is a very dangerous, very dangerous activity. Mm -hmm. Um, like I have like this huge scar on my arm from a crash I was in and I eventually just got to this point where the balance between work and I was basically doing two jobs, Mm -hmm. um, was not sustainable and I wasn't doing well in my races anymore. Like I won nationals the year before and like was not doing well the next year. And I was really frustrated because I was like, I'm working so hard, Mm -hmm. but like I decided and it was sitting right in front of me the whole time, I should combine BuzzFeed with my love of physical activity. Mm-hmm. And so I I broke up with cycling. It was very painful. Yeah. We'd been in a relationship for a very Did long you, time. Do you have like a coach or a team? I'm I had a coach like, and a team. <laughs> and uh, like I had to call my coach and be like, this is my decision. And it, it felt like I was breaking up with somebody. Yeah. Because you're like, you work so intimately with that person. And he was like, you're making the right decision. We had, we, had, we had a good breakup. Yeah. And from there, um, like the last year, so I worked at BuzzFeed, Jordan, Shaloub, and mm-hmm. I created a show where we, we made a bucket list of like the most insane stuff that's never been done on YouTube, like physically. And we're like, we're going to go do it and we're going to do it hard. Mm-hmm. And so that ranged from everything like training like a UFC fighter for 60 days, but then actually doing a fight. And or... Um, training like a Cirque du Soleil performer and then performing on a trapeze suspended over the office. And I loved doing that. And when we got to the end of that list, which was a year ago, mm-hmm. I was like, what do I do? It's time. <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah. And she and I both, I mean, I'll, I'm sure she's going to be on this podcast. I yeah. Guess. Okay. So when, oh, no. in Jordan's episode, <laughs> you can hear more about her end of it. But I think we both just knew like, um, when you work for a company, there are, are it seems like there are unlimited resources, but mm-hmm. there are not. And you're constantly having to prove to other people why you deserve those resources. And it became abundantly clear to me that no one was really getting it. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, I get it. I, I understand that there are other things that get more views and garner more right. partnership opportunities. 
But I was like, this is something special and no one's getting it. And it was like kind of the first time I had ever decided I am going to do something for myself. Mm -hmm. Like I, I went to Dartmouth because it's like I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to go to Dartmouth and like become a Wall Street person, which makes, I don't even know what people do on Wall Street, except make money, but I don't know what their day-to-day is like or or any of that. And, right. and so it was the first time I was like, I am taking a major risk and I'm just going to do it. So I did. And very, like immediately my mental health improved within 24 hours. Yeah. And, I, mean, I mean, do you, when you, so when I wanted to leave, Yes. I think when you're, it's almost like what you're talking about with the Google thing where like people see that you work there and they're like, why would you leave? Why would you like not want to be there? And there was this overwhelming amount of pressure of like, do I want to stay just because like I don't, there's this fear of the unknown of like, almost like I was relying on the company to define me Mm -hmm. almost. And when I left, I was like, I don't know if I can like, this is crazy. And I mean, my boss, when I told them I was leaving, was like, you're making a huge mistake. And like, even like now, Damn. when I'm like in bed at night, I'm like, did I make the right decision? You didn't. You, know? you didn't. And so I, did you experience that of kind of having to let go of something that you knew was, I mean, like BuzzFeed was great for my career and I learned so much, but there was that time of, is it okay to leave? Yeah. You know? Um, I think I was kind of in the the phase of like, I'm a rebel, I'm doing what I want now. And um, I had actually prepared for it for the year leading up to leaving for BuzzFeed. I lived as if I was failing. Mm. So I cut down my budget majorly and practiced like, if I leave and start a YouTube channel and it completely tanks, this is what my life will feel like. Mm-hmm. And so I, I felt as equipped as I possibly could have. I don't I don't regret leaving, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think that's easy to say at this point. Right. <laughs> you know? right. I'm very, very blessed. Um, but the part that was difficult for me was seeing other people. This feels very personal to share, but... <laughs> was seeing other people um, get the things that I wanted Mm. after I left. Mm. Um, And that's just, you know, like a, it's like a jealousy thing Mm -hmm. I had to get over. And I I feel strange admitting that. No, yeah. But like, it's so real when you, like, and that's, that's with anything. Like, when you are... I keep talking about relationships, but it's like when you break up with somebody and then they start dating someone hotter than you and you're like, I did all the work, you know? And I started like living vicariously (laughs) through people's like Instagrams and social media. And then I'm like, oh my God, you know? Mm -hmm. And especially like leaving Ladylike, I knew that that was going to be huge. And I'm like, but it's, it is this thing that you said to have this knowledge that you had a great job but also you're building up for a future yes and I also think it's important to remember that like there's enough success for everyone and it was important for me like I I had to unfollow BuzzFeed on everything because it was mentally so tough for me to let go of right and once I did that like I, I found myself appreciating and seeing everything else around me and like 
truly being able to carve my own brand on my channel that is separate right. from what I did there. Right. And I want to talk more about where you are now okay. and where you're going, <laughs> but I think we're going to take a quick break. Oh. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the very first episode of Persister. I hope that you're enjoying it. <laughs> um, but we have so many great things planned for this season, so many great guests. And I just wanted to remind you all to rate, review, and subscribe to Persister with me because it's very helpful in spreading the word and um, getting the show out there. So I just wanted to thank you all again for listening and... Let's get back into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Persister with Candace Lowry. I am Candace Lowry. In case you've forgotten, I'm interviewing <laughs> Michelle Carre hey. right now. And I just want to say you are so close to a million. Oh, like and subscribe. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Michelle Carre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I think is something to be so incredibly proud of and like even looking because sometimes people do say like well you just get that because you're from BuzzFeed or something but there are people who have left that haven't gained following and haven't created a name for themselves and I think it's something to be said when you have this complete brand and look at it and be like I made this all on my own Mm -hmm. which I'm sure feels really great Thank you. That means so much to me, Candace. It's silly because, you know, I think that everyone gives everyone an excuse. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're they're famous because they're pretty or mm-hmm. they have this because they got this insane opportunity no one else gets. And even when people are like, and people don't really say this anymore, but at first, obviously, people thought like, okay, she's growing fast because of BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sure, mm-hmm. I'll take that. But also, I worked my ass off there for two and a half years. <laughs> right. And it wasn't like BuzzFeed was handing me opportunities. Mm. You know, you have to work hard. You have to produce and edit and direct and act in all of the videos that you want associated with your brand. So, like, absolutely, will I say, like, sure, because of BuzzFeed, but that was me. That was right. me working my ass off there. Right. And, like, I because after... You know, once you started really going full force on your channel and getting into acting, did you, it almost seems like you kind of get hit with this real world thing of really Mm -hmm. seeing how problematic the industry is still. And I think that, you know, being at at the last companies I were at, they strongly emphasized diversity and, you know, women really climbing up the ranks and you know, when you're out of that, there were stories that you told me of trying to find, you know, acting gigs or like a manager and seeing that there was a problem with you like not being white. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple instances that really irked me. In college, actually, I went to a casting workshop in New York I got invited to. And I like performed my piece and they're like, can you do a Spanish accent? Can you do an Italian accent? Can you do like, oh, <clears throat> you know, listing off different things? And I'm like, I, I can certainly work on that, but I'm, I don't identify as any of those things. And they're like, well, that's what you look like. And that's what you'll get cast as. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then um, recently I was trying to get signed at a major agency and I was very close. 
And the agent ultimately said, I already have a few Asian American women and I shouldn't take any more. Like, how how did you feel when they told you that? I mean, I knew they weren't the person for me. Right. After all. And, you know, it feels terrible to have someone say, basically, like, you aren't unique enough to be a part of what I'm doing. Mm. And I was like, you're missing the point entirely. Like, name another channel that does any of the stuff that I do or extreme stuff and is also a woman of color, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Even men, there aren't men, male-oriented channels that do these types of challenges that I do Mm -hmm. or even that you and Jordan do. And so it was... It was really disappointing to hear that, for mm-hmm. sure. But now I feel really lucky to be, like, aligned with management who really pushed me to get in rooms and auditions that are for, like, any ethnicity, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, I remember when you told me, and I was like, that's horrible. Because it seems like there's this facade now of everybody's, like, we're being so diverse and inclusive. But there's still, like, when you get behind closed doors, there's still this you know, restriction Mm -hmm. on it, which kind of sucks. But (laughs) I mean, talking about, I know that we've talked about this, where especially being in YouTube, even being successful, there's still this feeling of like anxiety and kind of sometimes your performance day by day just affecting your mood. And I'm wondering, like, I know that probably a lot of people listening don't understand that or that we've really been seeing this huge influx of creators being like I need to take a break like I'm burning out I I'm not happy like Ethan Klein just said he just got um, diagnosed with clinical depression and so I think that there's this side that sometimes people don't see because we're working so much Mm -hmm. and like I'm wondering what you do to kind of combat that absolutely this is something I've had to work on a lot. I'm not the best at it. I don't no, think any I'm texting of you are. all the time. Like, am I failing? <laughs> Girl, you're not failing at all. I'm I'm so like look at your face on this poster. Okay. I wish the people listening could see this. You look amazing. Um yeah, I I think that people and I, I'm guilty of this too, like in college watching people um, our age like blow up on YouTube and Instagram. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, their lives must be so easy. Like all they have to do is take a picture with a flat tummy tea and probably get paid (laughs) several thousand dollars. (laughs) Diarrhea tea, basically. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I'm very humbled in seeing the other side of it now. Um, I mean, it's what everyone else says. Like people don't realize that it's a business, but then even more so than that, like uh, it's not, you, you don't have a paycheck. Mm-hmm. every week that's guaranteed your 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 paycheck depends on views mm-hmm. and that really sucks right um if you have a video that you put a lot of heart and soul into I've done that multiple times where I spend a lot of money and a lot of energy and time on something that just doesn't do that well mm-hmm. and obviously our version of doing well is very different from like an yeah. average person yeah, exactly. but you know like when you <clears throat> think of it as like okay this video made me this much money and, but I spent this much on it, mm-hmm. then you really think about, like, where your resources are allocated. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, to be completely frank, I was wildly blown away by when I left, how many opportunities, including financial opportunities, mm-hmm. were opened up to me in a way I was never anticipating mm-hmm. so quickly. Right. And so I needed to make that leap 
to have it happen. Yeah. And I think looking back on it, I mean, obviously, I think it's a great decision <laughs> that you made, but it can be really scary. Yeah. And, um, you know, especially being a girl, sometimes it can be really hard in on the Internet in general. Ugh. And <laughs> I think with what you've done, you've been able to be a vlogger that isn't like not offending any like beauty influencers and stuff but to kind of challenge that persona mm -hmm. and like I'm wondering what you would say to any kind of young girl that wants to be like that that doesn't want to necessarily fit into this mold of being you know someone who does beauty products all day or does beauty challenges and kind of takes that head on you know what you would say absolutely so I think a lot about the long haul mm -hmm. on my channel and the work that I do. Could I have become a very sensational vlogger or like joined some sort of vlog circle and grown off other people's success? Potentially. I don't know if I'm cool enough for that, but you know, <laughs> um, could I have used clickbait titles and like really sensational thumbnails to get more views? Anyone can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I have really tried to garner on my channel is, is every video really good? And is every video telling a story that matters? And it's taken me, you know, a while to be almost at 1 million. I mean, mm -hmm. a year, which feels like a long time <laughs> to me. I know it's very fast. Um, and it's been an up and down thing. It's frustrating. I, I don't have like an average view count guarantee necessarily. Right. Like it's it's either going to be super awesome or like average, you know. And mm -hmm. um, I would say like think about your long term and you're going to see people around you like pick up these fast track solutions and they're going to die off because they don't have any substance underneath it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think I think that it it's definitely one of those things where you almost feel better as a human being when you're making content that you're proud of. Yep. And that you don't have to sensationalize yes. basically. So now it almost seems like you're moving into this multi-part series mm -hmm. format. Yeah. Um like I guess this is just a question from me. Um how do you deal with all that footage? <laughs> Like, because oh. you had hours and hours and yeah. hours. So of all I, that. yeah. So I recently did a series on my channel where I trained for and entered a beauty pageant, and it um, originally was supposed to be one video, mm -hmm. and um, we went through editing it, and it was going to be like an, a seventy-five minute video, <laughs> and it wasn't like, and it wasn't any fluff. We kept cutting down, and I was like, this is all good this is mm -hmm. all amazing do we have enough to make three storylines mm -hmm. and so we did so I think the whole thing now is like I think it's almost 90 minutes in three parts and that's what's so <laughs> insane when people are like I don't know why these youtubers have burnout you literally made a movie yeah in <laughs> under just a few months it's and like an HBO doc basically yeah but <laughs> and people are doing this like multiple times a year, yeah, and people are wondering why they're burning out. Exactly. <laughs> well, to answer your question about footage, though, I have an amazing editor full time mm -hmm. on my channel now, mm -hmm. um, named Silas. Shout out to Silas; he's phenomenal and very, very good. And part of that, you know, the part of an advice, piece of advice I would recommend is investing in 
a team and like investing in when you really don't want to do something, maybe that means it's better worth your time to pay someone else to do it. And that was something I had trouble with in the mm-hmm. beginning. Like, I don't want to spend all this money on this. But then like it's a big investment, but then the payoff is so amazing. Right. And and you feel way more aligned with what you're doing. So that is, is something I've had to learn over the past year is like spending money to make better yeah. video. <laughs> but major shout out to Silas. Make money, you <laughs> yeah. know? Spend money to make money. So exactly. looking now at your channel, mm-hmm. where do you want it to go? It's like I, a very intense question. Yeah, wow. <laughs> well, I'm really proud of how the pageant series did. And what that says to me is people are interested in diving deeper on topics. Mm-hmm. So like this fall, I really I'm, I want to do a runway video and it'll be multi-part. Um, but like really diving deeply into the craziness of the modeling industry and, mm-hmm. and the pressure women face to be tall and skinny and and body image and all this other stuff. Like I really want to go hard mm-hmm. on the things that I don't think we're talking enough about. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think my tentpole focus is. Other than that, um, I was really lucky to kick- kickstart and fundraise a short film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, when is that coming out? Um, it's actually premiering at the Chinese Theater yeah. on November 5th. So it'll come out on my channel shortly after. You should come to the premiere. <laughs> um, Invite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because for me, I see my channel as, like, the the place where I'm allowed to inspire other women mm. to do the things they want to do. But my personal passion is acting. Um, surprise, I'm a YouTuber. Um, <laughs> I feel, like, so annoying saying that. Um, but that's what I've always done, like, growing mm-hmm. up and in high school and college. And because of my channel, I'm allowed to get in rooms now. And so I want to prove myself more. So I think it's going to be a balance of, like, these really big videos and some scripted stuff. Because the short film is – it's it's a role that I don't think anyone would expect <laughs> me to play. I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited very to I was – I mean, you needed twenty five thousand. No, we raised twenty two thousand. Twenty two thousand dollars. That's insane. Yeah, and that's (laughs) incredible though to know that you can do that and you can raise that and you can do this on your own. And I think that when we talk to younger people that want to make a name for themselves, it's like you look back. I'm sure you feel the same way. You look back and be like, "Wow, like I did this all on my own." And that's what's so awesome about someone like you who was able to kind of take that jump and be like, I can do this. I've got it. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to be fine, you know? It's crazy, too, because I feel like people are always looking for reasons to not like someone because now I thought, like, okay, I've got a YouTube following. That'll help me get an agent and Mm -hmm. a manager and all this other stuff. And then now I can do what I want to do. And then I go in rooms and meetings and 90% of it is me proving I'm not – a crazy youtuber i'm like a capable human who's had multiple jobs before this right know, and it's unfortunate that i feel like i'm you know i mean constantly having to prove myself which is something i i respect and will do right but also like having to defy weird stereotypes that other people set up for me right i'm not jake paul I guess that's what I'm saying. I know. He's setting a bad (laughs) example. Um, So now we're going to get into a little fun um, Q&A. Okay. I asked some people, (laughs) I asked some fans what questions they want to, you know, ask you. They're not super intense. So this is like a fun, easy breezy 
You seem like this is supposed to be yeah. fun. They're like, when is the last time you cried? No. <laughs> Yesterday. Um, so what this is, I'm curious too. This is from My Name's Mel. Hey, Mel. Hey, Mel. Um, what is your favorite exercise to do when working out? And I swear to God, if you see a burpee, you're leaving this room. <laughs> it's not that. Um, my favorite workout style actually is like cardio and weights together. Um, that doesn't answer the question, but like I love Barry's boot camp because it's like treadmill and weights. And I also love boxing. Boxing mm. is and kickboxing are my favorites too. I think my favorite exercise is a plank with shoulder taps mm. so that you're like in a plank position. So you're working out your abs, but then you you're get also that break. tapping your shoulders so mm-hmm. that you can get some arm stuff going too. Yeah, I used to do that a lot. I like that one because you can last longer, I feel like. If you do that. Um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> We're getting into this. So you've tried a bunch of crazy Starbucks drinks. I have. Unfortunately. And Sabrina wants to know if you had a favorite out of those. If not, what's your favorite go-to Starbucks drink? So I actually do not actively consume Starbucks. That was entirely because Shots it was fired. a trending topic. <laughs> and the first video did well on my channel when okay. I first left <laughs> So... I think my favorite out of the weird ones I tried, and I haven't done these videos in a while, but is the Midnight Mocha Mm. Frappuccino because I love mint chocolate chip flavored things. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like that. Okay. You know what? I'm curious of this. Have you ever contemplated an Alaskan vacation? (laughs) Someone asked that? Yeah. Shauna. Shauna, but not asked. First of all, yay for friendship. Secondly, have you ever contemplated an Alaskan vacation? All right. Um, (laughs) So for some reason, I feel like it's just a thing where grandparents want to take everyone on Alaskan cruises or like, (laughs) let's go to Alaska. And that keeps coming up in my family. And I don't really have interest to freeze my ass off. I'm like, can we go to like... Hawaii. Yeah. If you want to like leave the the continental U.S., let's let's go somewhere warmer. I just um, love that someone asked about Alaska. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Out of everywhere, <laughs> I've never been to Alaska either. But I, I've it's heard it's amazing. I have too. I've heard the air is just clean. You can be paid to live in Alaska. Did you know that? People get paid to live there because so many people don't want to live there. It's a fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a burning desire to move to Alaska. Um, but those were our questions. Woo. I feel like I should have like a little beep, beep, beep. <laughs> those were the questions of the day. Now that I've asked you some audience choice questions, I'm going to ask you the three questions that I ask everyone mm-hmm. here. So let's get into those. Hit me. Um, this is one of my favorites because I have like a go-to outfit on my own, but... What is your, like, go-to outfit that you feel best in when you go to an interview? Like a job interview? Yeah. Oh, my God. I haven't been to one in so long. <laughs> or I guess, like, a manager. That'd be oh, Do you okay. wear something fancy to Like, that? if I go to, like, a business meeting? Yeah. Like, what do you feel best in? <laughs> a crop top and shorts. <laughs> I just dress like myself. I don't know. Okay, I don't wear a crop top, but... Um, so I think in LA, Mm -hmm. the culture is very different from elsewhere. So to anyone just looking for a regular job, this isn't corporate. Do like (laughs) business formal. I I don't even know what that means, but like a a blazer. But I usually wear a black dress that I have because it makes me feel like 
I think I know what sexy you're and confident. <laughs> sexy isn't something you think about when you go to like an interview, and I'm not. I don't mean that in like a I need to look hot kind of way. No, it but just feel makes confident. You fucking feel good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes girls, there is this thing of like, do I look too sexy? Do I look too this or that? And, sure. You know, but um, no, I know what you're. I think I know what dress you're talking about. <laughs> but. <laughs> Lastly, you know, you've seen so much growth in just a few amount of years. And so what do you think are the three qualities you would say got you to where you are today? The first Mm -hmm. thing I think is a quality that's benefited me that other people may see as a detriment in their situations is actually being a daughter of an immigrant. Mm -hmm. My dad migrated from India here and growing up, I just saw his relentless hustle. And, you know, like my dad probably works too much, but <laughs> um, it, it, it instilled in me this thought of if my dad and his family could have the courage to literally leave everything behind and go to a new country where they don't speak the language, they have, you know, no money, mm-hmm. they're living off of food stamps, then... I owe it to them to fucking give my all and everything I do. Mm-hmm. And that is a major motivator for me. Um, the second thing is I am obsessive over organization and Google Calendar, probably because I <laughs> oh, was yeah. a Google intern. I forgot to send you a Google Calendar invite for this. You were like, send me a Google Calendar <laughs> invite. Oh my God. I made my own. It's fine. Uh. <laughs> um, and that seems like a, a very random thing for me to follow up that statement with. Mm-hmm. But I would say 90% of the reason I have repeat business on my channel is because I turn in things on time and I am organized. Mm-hmm. Not I'm not perfect, but like everyone on my team is is very aligned and like we're using Wonderlist, we're using Google Calendar, we're using Gmail. And um I like I like saying that because it's a practical thing whoever's listening can apply in their own lives. Mm-hmm. Um it disturbs me how many people do not know how to use a calendar. And that's important <laughs> for your mental health. I don't like, mean to laugh at that. Like, is, am I just crazy? Like, this is a thing. I, I, I'm like, okay, so I have access to one of my friend's calendars. And instead of making, okay, I'm going, I'm going out here. But instead of like making time slots for his events, uh-huh. he does a day event and makes a list of the things he has to do. Oh that day. no! I oh am my like, God. why are you like delete your account? <laughs> delete your account. Okay, start over. I am uh, done with this rant, and I have embarrassed myself. And hopefully, people are still listening. <laughs> Third thing I would say is look in the direction that no one else is looking, mm. because that's where the opportunity is. Yeah. For me, it was. No one is investing time, money, and energy into really long, in-depth videos on YouTube. I wonder if there's something there. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's a major risk, and a risk I was privileged to take because I had saved money from Google and had a couple brand deals off Mm -hmm. the bat, Um, but it was a risk I did take. Yeah. Well, I need to do my calendar. (laughs) I need to get my calendar. And then finally, to all the girls listening that want to be like you. Oh, my God. (laughs) What's the one thing you would tell them? Everything you want is on the other side of fear. That's perfect. (laughs) We need like a little fortune cookie, like Michelle Curry. I I need like a refrigerator magnet. (laughs) It's my favorite quote of all time. 
Um, thank you so much for being here and coming. And I was so happy that you could make time in your calendar to come visit and talk about everything. And I think it's a big um, wild world out there, especially with YouTube. And yes. if you guys want to see more of Michelle, she's at Michelle Carre on mm-hmm. YouTube and Twitter, right? Yeah. And Instagram. And is there another platform? And we're almost at a million. So help us, sister. Yeah. You're less than 50K (laughs) away from a million. So thank you so much for being here. This is Persister with Candace Lowry. I'm Candace Lowry. And that was just Michelle Carre. And I hope to see you guys back soon. Hear you guys back soon. I don't know. Just just listen. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 